Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 9, Episode 40. I'm Jack. I'm ASD. I'm Van. And I'm Dan. And we, we have to give a massive welcome to Van and Dan. So Van for his annual appearance and Dan joining us from Australia where it's five in the morning. Incredible <laughs> commitment. Incredible. I show less commitment to Spurs, to be fair. <laughs> if you've... T- like tot up how many years this the people here have been doing it van's been doing it for at least because it's nine years old now at least eight of those nine years dan's yeah. been doing it at least seven of those eight, maybe even eight of those nine years this is almost a half a century of experience here and then jack's been doing it for like five six so far i think five years is all right but it clearly gets disrespected on this pod which is yeah, <laughs> So we're going to carry on in terms of our position feature. So last week we talked about goalkeepers. And to start with today, we're going to talk about defenders. So defenders that we have loved or just defenders that we would like to talk a little bit about um, on the podcast. So Van, I'll come to you first. What defender would you like to talk about? And then uh, tell us a little bit about him. I'm going to pick uh, the greatest left back to ever play for Spurs. That is our man, Eric Edmund. Um, yeah, like first, I mean, obvious, obvious thing to fall in love with was the goal against Liverpool. Um, if you're only going to score one goal for a club, make it a 40 yard screamer. Uh, I think that's a general rule of thumb that a lot of players should live their lives by. <laughs> um, like, I've actually got two, like, two, like, memories of him that just make me laugh. There's one, I can't, I don't think you find him anymore, but it was one where he, he, he maybe shouldn't laugh, but he was very obviously concussed and was being told that he shouldn't come back onto the pitch and he just wasn't having any of it but you could clearly see that he was struggling to understand what the guy was telling him just trying to get on the pitch and I love that commitment um, albeit now uh, we know a lot better that you probably shouldn't come on the pitch if you're concussed but then also there's one where um, the players are all running out at half time Ledley King's like leading the players out and Robbie King goes to hold the rest of the team back so Ledley runs out all by himself it's very funny everyone's laughing Except Eric Edmund clearly doesn't understand what's going on and is trying to push past Robbie Keane to try and get onto the pitch. Um, yeah, look, he was, you know, just cult hero for me. I know, just fell in love with him straight away. He's just, I think he was a bit like me in terms of football. He played at fullback, clearly wasn't very good. You know, he probably was right-footed and got pushed out onto the left, or he was the only left-footed player around. It's just like, you know, just. A, Really like solid left back, but also just like completely sums up Spurs at that time. Yeah. You know, just like yeah, we you know we were all excited because we had a full international. You know, but it was Sweden's left back. Let's be like and clear. He was, he was concussed half the time. As well. And he was concussed half the time. He just constantly confused by the whole thing. To be honest with you, um, but yeah, he, he definitely my. I mean, I would say my favourite Spurs player ever. Let alone <laughs> that is uh, mental. Genuinely, the only reason I've come on to do the pod this week because we were doing defenders <laughs> at least you're honest yeah <laughs> brilliant uh, dan let's come to you next so what defender would you like to talk a little bit about so um i thought i'd go for someone who showed um massive commitment at center back um you know from you know from from over the years i think he's um he's really shown it um it, don't worry it's not ramon vega it's um <laughs> it's michael dawson and um Michael Dawson, yeah, um, came came with us with um, came to us from um, from Forest with Andy Reid. He, um, uh, yeah, like obviously Andy Reid played out on the wing, which I think is why he kept trying to search for him out wide, you know, with those long passes. <laughs> but unfortunately, he kept finding him on the sub bench. But that's beside the point. Um, I was. Um, I think one of the things that really stood out for me with uh, with Dawson was the was just his commitment every game. He he embodied the the attitude of I think every single Spurs fan as to how they would play if they had the chance to put on the lily white and and he I put him in the same bracket as um, say Scott Parker in the in that attitude. You know that mud and bullets just. Uh, just go out and just play through the pain, put your body on the line for the team. And um, he certainly did that. And he was rewarded only just because he nearly got sold to QPR. But um, 
uh, but as captain. Um, and um, and although he wasn't the most skillful of players, he just I feel um, he he bled um, he bled the club by the end of the, uh, yeah the, uh, by the end of it. And and he he yeah he just played like a fan, and I just I felt a real connection with that. Yeah, and so. I think everybody's got a love for Michael Dawson, haven't they? And it's like, wasn't the best centre-back that we've had, but there was just something about him where, mm. you know, the leadership and like you say, the, the, the do-or-die attitude, it's like, you could never really have a go at him. Do you know what I mean? It was like, because you, <laughs> yeah. his ability was limited, but you knew he was giving it everything. And it's like, mm. as a fan, you can sort of accept that. When you've got players that are the other way, that have got all the ability, mm. all the ability in the world, but maybe don't want to work for it, they're the ones that get frustrated at. Funny yeah, we, we've come we've come quite far as a club though, right? That like we look at someone like Dawson with sort of like roasting the goggles, and you sort of go, yeah, you know, it's, you know, definitely. But now you go, but you, only on the, you want him in the squad. You don't want him on the pit. And and I think that's, you know, I was like, you know, passion is an overrated quality in a footballer, right? You know, give me give me someone like you want a hard worker, but you know, give me someone who's brilliant over someone who's passionate any day of the week, but. Mm-hmm. Just with Dorse, you know, and I think it is a centre back thing as well. Um, it just you just felt like it always meant a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but I think we've come on, you know. So I, I yeah, I think that's pro- that's also like my problem with Sissoko. It's like I think we're just a bit better than than that now. It's like you know, which is that's quite nice, you know. If we were still talking about players like Dawson nowadays, you know, Harry Kane being the obvious one that's probably closest to it, but obviously backs up with being world-class in his position. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, but we've definitely all got a, a massive amount of love for Dorse. Um, ASD, who is your defender that you'd like to talk about? Well, before I start with my defender, I want to just give a shout-out. Uh, not a shout-out. I just want to mention, we can't mention the best centre-backs. This isn't one that meant the most to me, but if we're terms in, in pure quality, we have you have to talk about Solzia Jeremiah Campbell. There you go, you've mentioned him, we can move on. Brilliant. For those of you who don't know, who are older than Jack, he basically came through our academy into the first team, one of the best players in the world, legitimately one of the best players in the world, captain to, captain, first black captain to lift a trophy at Wembley, uh, new major trophy at New Wembley, uh, or Wembley, uh, was absolutely brilliant. The reason people hate him is because he had come out and said publicly that he was not going to leave Spurs. He was offered a contract that would be that would make him the highest paid player in the UK. And then Arsenal were meant, had a press conference where they were uh, introducing a, just a new keeper and Sol Campbell walked out. And that's why people hate him. But, and I think, which is fair, I don't agree with the song. It is homophobic and it is racist. Uh, and I'm not laughing at the racism. It's just I don't know why anyone could doubt that. But it's... Uh, Sol Campbell. Um, my selection uh, was born in 1987. He's 33 now. He's coming to the end of his contract with us. He was born to Paul Vertonghen, which I think is worth pointing out. It's Super Jan Vertonghen. I know Van loves him. We love his celebrations. He's only scored 12 goals for us. But what a player he is. Honestly, I think he's one of the best players we've ever had. He, it's, it's easy to forget that he both Arsenal and Spurs wanted him, but Arsenal wanted to make him into a defensive midfielder. And he wanted to play centre-back and he wanted to play in the Champions League, so he came to us. And he's been brilliant for us. He's Sometimes he looks like Bambi. like the he just, He's got no close control and it's like Bambi on ice. But there's other times where he's just so dominant. I love the boy. Like You just think there's some absolutely brilliant goals. That one against Man United, which was his first goal for us, although technically I've just read that that was uh, counted as an own goal. But he scored some great goals for us. The the most recent ones must be the one against Dortmund, uh, where yeah. we yeah. really late. Yeah. That was brilliant. And there was why was he there? Why was he in the box in the last minute? And that was absolutely brilliant. I, I like I, I've always said with Jan Vertonghen, he, he, you know, he's the kind of bloke that you you really wish your daughter would bring home. It's like really you smart. Was three van. <laughs> really smart side. I mean I don't have a door really smart <laughs> part in, um, you know shirt always tucked in he's like he's like a player from like a bygone era mm. um, but then with like all the you know all the skill and the passion uh, all the skill and the ability of like a modern footballer like he just he's so graceful oh not so much anymore now but you know I think 
and particularly when we sort of brought Toby in as well. Yeah, arguably the best centre back pairing up that Spurs have ever had, but you know maybe even that the, the the Premier League's ever had. He, he was he's he was so good. Um, do, you, do you remember when we when Pochettino came in in fourteen fifteen? He didn't fancy him, and he started playing Kabul and Fazio, but then Kabul sort of lost it. Shivers that combination. <laughs> but then. But then Fazio and Vertonghen had a really good partnership. They they just something worked there. I think I think it's a bit like Dawson. Like Dawson knew his limits and just played within those, and he was brilliant in that. I think we we knew the limits of um, Fazio and Vertonghen, and it just sort of worked. I feel like a compliment you can pay Vertonghen is that nice hair. every nice hair, but every partnership he's had at centre half has been a good one. Yeah, yeah like, there so are many centre backs that can play alongside Fazio, and you can be like, "That looked all right." Whereas yeah. like Tongan did, and you know, you, you think about who he who he has partnered. They obviously all developed most recently: Kabul, Galas, Fazio. You know, they were, and it was all it was all decent. So I think there's that, and it's his versatility as well. You know, he's played left back, he played left wing back. It's like there aren't many centre halves in the world that can you know move out to full back, let alone play an attacking full back role. So he has been absolutely brilliant for us. And, we'll, you know, if you're talking about the Premier League era, he, you know, he's definitely one of the best that, that we've seen. A hundred percent. Always the only criticism I'd probably say of him is he, he never looked as comfortable up against that big physical centre forward. You know, technically brilliant. But like the likes of Andy Carroll and that have always been the kind that have caused him some problems. But maybe that's just the modern day centre half. But, can I, you know, can I just say... Brilliant. He won Dutch Football Player of the Year in 2012 when he was with an Ajax. Then 2012, 13, and 17, 18, he was in the PFA Player of the Year, Team of the Year, Premier League Player of the Month in March, and UEFA Champions League Squad of the Season 18, 19. That's decent. 118 caps for his country. He's got more goals for his country than he has for Spurs in half the amount of games. But what a man! And I, I really feel sad at how it's ending. Like obviously yeah. contracts ending, that's fine. That happens, but he needs a. Uh, he needed to be there for the last home game of the season in front of the fans so we could really show his appreciation, our appreciation for him. Yeah, I'd be intrigued to see where he goes next because, you know, he's definitely still got a couple of years in him to offer somebody. Well, I don't mm. think that the Premier League... Roma. With, Roma, yeah, you, know, you think about the Italian league, don't you? You think that makes perfect sense for it. It's that little bit slower and teams naturally a bit more defensive. You know, Fazio's gone on to have a great you know, career in Italy. So there's no reason why Vertonga can't go there for another couple of years. But I agree with you. I've I've absolutely loved watching him play. He's been brilliant for us. Yeah. Cool. We can't talk about centre backs without talking about the centre back though, can we? Ledley King. The man that is just absolutely sensational. He's still my favourite player that I've ever seen play for Spurs and probably the best as well. You know, you talk about players that have just got pure natural ability and Ledley was just absolutely incredible to watch and I think for anybody that wasn't lucky enough to actually get to see him live he, the guy didn't make tackles he just intercepted the ball and he was just we always talk about attacking players being one or two stages ahead of a game mm. Ledley was that but from a defensive point of view and it was just it just looked so easy everything about him it was just he was just incredible to watch. He was our captain. He was inspirational and obviously had his injury problems, which was, I think, for Tottenham, a good thing because he wouldn't have stayed yeah. had, he, had he not had those problems because, you know, United, Real Madrid, all these sides would have been in for him. Imagine, you know, him and Rio at centre-half for England and Man United for 10 years. It, that would have just been unbelievable. Um, so I think the injuries was a good thing for us. But it's just there are very few players that when you go to a game... You get the team sheet. When you used to see that he was in it, you'd think we got a chance. And that was when Spurs were terrible as well. But yet when Ledley King was there, you'd think, no, actually, we, we can keep a clean sheet and we can win today. So he was just, he was magnificent. And the, the goal against Arsenal that he scored the header at the Paxton Road, you know, what I think was a 1-1 draw, one of the highlights, just because that moment for him, you know, Spurs lad, captain, scoring against Arsenal mm. at home, it doesn't get much better. So... Couldn't not mention Ledley. Rolls-Royce. Can I give you a word? I did the, the tour of White Hart Lane. I did the Legends tour. I took my dad for his birthday. And Ledley did the tour of White Hart Lane, which was amazing. Uh, and we were just, you just, it started off, he walked into the room and met these old men, like hardened, beer-soaked men. Their faces just lit up. 
And then by the end of it, it was, he was just a normal guy. Like they, they would, it was just everyone had had a chat to him. No one was wanting more. He just had a chat, and he spent a good ten minutes talking to my dad about what it's like to live with a permanent injury because my dad's disabled, and like how it makes him feel and how he managed to, to be a, a high class performer. And I honestly have nothing but respect for one of the nicest men who didn't have to be I've ever met. Yeah, just brilliant. And I think as well that there's always fans that have been watching Spurs 40, 50 years. And, you know, whenever I chat to them, I always say, you know, like if you were to do a team with the best players you've seen, who's in it? Ledley's in everybody's team. And that's fans, ex-players that have played, you know, for the top sides of the world. Well. Ledley just is always in those sides. So that's probably the biggest compliment you can pay him. I remember um, uh, during the, the Euros 2004, when he played against... Um, France in the first in the opening game, and yeah, I'm I'm saying to my mates like, oh, it's great that he's playing, it's awesome, like, he's, yeah, we're gonna do well, and um, and they were going, why, why? We're watching it in the pub, and there's just a moment where he, apart from keeping Henri quiet for pretty much the whole, yeah, whole game, um, but he, um, he just first touch completely does Henri and sends him the wrong way and dinks it over his head and everyone in the pub reaches climax with a oh <laughs> and, and it's just it was just like i couldn't believe i've never witnessed that in a pub before and it happened with with ledley king you know to i, I won't go into too much detail or you know, be too graphic about it but yeah it was um i i've never experienced that in uh, in a pub before um uh, watching a game and that was just incredible. Yeah. We, we didn't, you know, <clears throat> English fans, we didn't necessarily like appreciate like football, footballers at centre back. Right. And, and even now I still think there's a, you know, we, you know, we still like, you know, watching someone go in for a, for a massive tackle and, you know, even with the fake noise on the, um, on the, on the sky, you know, when someone does a big tackle, they do the roar of the crowd. And it's just like, that wasn't Ledley, you know, he, he, yeah, and, uh, yeah, I think most of us play football. Those of us who've played in defence, it's like you, you tackle. That's when you you're out of position. It's the last mm. thing you should be doing. And yet, you know, we seem to have been one of the last countries to kind of move away from from that as being a quality of a centre back. And and it's almost like Ledley wasn't appreciated as much as he could have been or should have been at his time because he wasn't a John Terry type centre back. He didn't scream and shout and you know where you know you know sort of where. He sort of came into the England team, opposed to the likes of Adams and stuff, and that's kind of what people were looking for. And actually, you know, that's why he he slots so comfortably into centre midfield, for example. Yeah. You know, and again, just you know, and and I'm with you. I think yes, if he uh, if he'd have been fit, I don't think he'd have stuck around at Spurs for 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 as long as he did. Um, but he was he was an outstanding footballer. You know, who happened to play in defence. And you know, and now that's the norm, right? A, a Van Dyke, a Toby, you know, that's 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 what we expect from a centre back. But there weren't many of them, certainly not in England, when um, when Ledley first came through. Can I just say when um, Wales beat Belgium three one in the greatest football match that any British team's ever played in, uh, Joe Ledley was replaced by Andy King. Uh, <laughs> he was. I'll never forget that. Okay, thanks for that. <laughs> We've got uh, we've got some games to talk about as well today. We've got two matches. So firstly, oh. the absolute farce was Sheffield United three Spurs one. I mean, ASD, why don't you kick us off? Where do we shower of shit? This was the worst performance for five years. It was like it wasn't even as bad as an AVB performance, and it, there was just there was nothing. First first half was fine. We were unlucky to go a goal down and to have the goal disallowed, and they should have had a red card. Forget that. The second half was the worst showing by any Spurs team that I've seen in recent years. It was an utter utter disgrace. No one cared. No one tried. The, the defense was dreadful. Fullbacks were dreadful. Midfield did nothing. Kane was utterly useless. I'm not, I'm not buying the, he didn't have any service. He did nothing apart from that. The wide players did nothing. It, it was the worst. Like I, I've got a friend who's a Sheffield United fan. She was having a great time. She was just going, this is the second best team in the world and we're pissing all over them. It was the worst performance by a Spurs team because they didn't care. They didn't care enough. And I, there's something going on behind the scenes because of what we saw against Everton, obviously. The stuff between 
Hugo and Son. I know we'll get to it. That happens behind the behind the scenes, but for it to happen on the pitch, something's not right, and you can see it. They're playing like individuals. It was it was awful. And we can't laugh at Arsenal and the ridiculous stuff that they're going through when we play like that. I, it's embarrassing, and I blame Mourinho. It did remind me a lot of. Do you remember the game earlier in the season when we lost three 0 at Brighton? Oh it, yeah. yeah. It really yeah. reminded me of that, where it was just sort of like you just knew from about five minutes in, like this is going to be one of those games. And I feel like when you watch Spurs, you know within the first five minutes whether or not we're going to do anything or it's going to be one of those performances. And we've just become so easy to play against. And I think that's the problem. We've still got great attacking qualities, whilst we didn't show that against Sheffield United. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind playing against us at the moment. Do you know what I mean? It's like, whereas if I think back to when we've been at our best in the last five years, you'd think, oh, that would be a horrible midfield to be up against, or that defence is so solid. But really, all teams have got to do at the moment to cause us any kind of problems is string three or four passes together, yeah. and you'll end up having a shot. There, there was a time when, like, we, we, you know, we were winning the most points season on season from games from behind, uh, coming from behind. Right? Let's be clear, Spurs have never been. Oh, I think there was one season where we were really sort of like tight ship as a defensive unit. But that's just not us. No one's asking for that. No one's asking for us not to concede. Problem is now we concede. It's like, cool, game's done. You know, there's, there's, there doesn't seem to be any like will to go and, you know, go and um, go and get a result. You know, and, and uh, you know, I don't know how much of that is. Yeah, I'm with you on it, on it being Mourinho. And you know, a big part of it being like, we don't look like we're going to score more than a goal a game. And so it feels like when we go one nil down, we're accepting loss because we don't know how we're going to score. And that's that's for me. It's like you look at the attacking talent that we have got on the pitch. It's absolutely bonkers. There's no creativity in midfield. We're lopsided at fullback. You know, sort of one goes, one bombs forward, one stays back. But we don't play a back three. You know, we're just very easy to attack down the right hand side. Um, it's just. But it feels like the squad's got good enough players in it for those not to be problems. That's that's the piece I don't understand. It's it feels like it's the football as opposed to the the the, the players. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a good squad of players. They're good players. They're just playing badly. It's interesting because I I agree with you on paper. You know, especially going forward, you look at what that front four potentially is, and you think, oh, there's a lot of goals and attacking quality there, but. No, let's not forget that this is a side that Jose's massively struggled to get playing in, in, in any way. And the same Pochettino struggled as well. And it's like, these are managers that have got two completely different styles as well. And it's sort of like, they're polar opposite. Neither are really working at the moment, which is just, it's such a worry. And I, I go back to what ASD said earlier, it's like, there has to be more going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Because I don't think that we've got necessarily a side that can be up there challenging with City and Liverpool and I do agree that we do need to sell some players and bring some new bodies indefinitely but I, I don't think we're a team that should be in 10th do you know what I mean I, I feel like we're still a side that should be up the right end of the table at least but there is there, there is something going on um, and there has been for, for quite a while but it's just difficult to pinpoint exactly what that problem could be. I think the um, one of the problems is the just the the setup that you know like the, all of our players all of our forward um forward players are used to playing a high press you know trying to nick the ball and support on each other you know in a in a much further forward position so when we've not had to rely on the creativity of midfielders so much you know we you know if we when we're in possession we're too slow with it or we're too deep in order to make an impact you know we um we don't we don't counter attack enough you know we we try to we don't we're not doing a good enough job you know it tends to get to more and he takes it down a a dead end and and lose possession yeah um who is it that quoted saying that more is where position goes to die uh, pos- or possession goes to die it's like yeah i, I was like you you, yeah, I, I think the players are really struggling under this under this system because I don't think it plays to Kane's strengths. Um, and if and he's and he's lost clearly a bit of pace. And yeah, it was only that um, that um, that one on one with the keeper where he showed a little bit of pace, but it took a while for him to actually get up to speed. You know, like he's, he's not agile enough at the moment to play there. You know, whether, you know, if you're having to play him and put him on the pitch, do we drop him back and then have Son and Moore 
bombing forward further to try and beat the line. It it doesn't work at the moment. I, I, I understand the drop-off under Poch, you know, both before the Champions League final, but also in particular after it. Right? And, you know, we've seen time and time again, managers that stick around for a long time, um, and particularly if there's no recycling in the squad, you, the players have heard it before, right? There's no new ideas and it's easy, you know, one style of football always comes to counter another style of football. So yeah. I don't think it's unreasonable that under, you know, however long we were potched, six years we were potched, things started to go off the boil a bit. Same players heard it before, getting a bit older, right? The, 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 but Spurs' team was designed to be an attacking team. You were never designed to be a defensive team. You saw Mourinho have the same problem at United. It's not around, is he a great coach? Of course he's a great coach. But if you don't have the players in a squad to be able to play that style, it then doesn't make sense to have that manager in place. We've gone from, you know, if we're saying that Pochettino, the problem is the players aren't listening anymore or, you know, you know we, need to, we need some fresh ideas. You don't then just go, cool, we need to completely change the... the the setup and the tactics of our team. You go and find a manager more in that mould. You know, if you think about, you know, that, that that that's the thing that for me feels like so strange. We've gone, oh, we we've, we've become a bit difficult, a bit easy to beat. Let's go and get a manager who's renowned for being like super tight at the back. It's like, cool, we've still got the same players. You know, you need to go and find three or four defensive players to go and make Spurs a really solid one nil type team. That's just not going to happen. And so when Spurs stop trying to score goals and stop giving a, a, a toss about going forward, we're in trouble because we've never been a team that keeps loads of clean sheets. It's just not that's just not in our not in our DNA. So yeah, Mourinho had John Terry at the back, who's one of the greatest English centre backs the Premier League has ever seen. One of the greatest centre backs. Then he had Lampard and Makélélé, and then he had Drogba. We don't have that spine. It's always been about the spine. And you could do the same for Inter. You can do the same for Porto. And he tries to do it at Man United. It didn't work. I think he's passed it. I, th- I, th- I think his style, Van's exactly right. His style was perfect for when Tiki Taka was about. Because he yeah. just had two really tight lines. Didn't let you get through that. And then bored you out to a 1-0 win. People aren't playing that anymore. They're playing a 4-3-3. And we, we just don't suit that. We, need to, we either need Mourinho out or wholesale change, wholesale change in the players. And it's not going to be pretty. He doesn't have the unlimited funds he had at any of his previous clubs. So it's going to have to be um, he's going to change. And he's not going to change. It's, I, I don't know how this is going to get better. Because if we haven't got the money to buy players, what's going to happen? Yeah, I think it's a fair point. I think there's two things for me. The first, The first thing is... It either has to be that the players have to massively adapt to the Mourinho system or Mourinho has to massively adapt to the players he's got. And the problem at the moment is neither of those things are happening, right? Because he's trying to implement his his way of, of playing football. Players can't do it. The players want to go forward and attack. So that that's the issue at the moment. So it's got to be one or the other. And it, it makes you think that I can't for the life of me believe that Jose would have accepted a job at Spurs without being promised you're going to have X amount of funds to, to do things your way. Because he would have surely known that he would have been walking into a job where it's not going to be a success. I'm, 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 I'm not sure. I, th- I think he's looking at it and going, cool. There's very obviously good defenders. The, the challenge is not that Spurs don't have good players. It's just that, you know, our players don't suit the style that he wants to play. We, you know, when we did have our season of not conceding or a couple of seasons of not conceding, we had the same players. The difference was our centre-backs were playing football, right? So we were playing out from the back, getting the ball forward quickly. So he's probably looking at going, I've got good defenders who can help me keep clean sheets. The problem is he's, he's got the wrong type of defenders for like the style that he wants to play. And that's why you see now, he's, that's why he's playing like Dyer and Sanchez. He's like, you know, I want... Dyer is like his perfect type of centre-back, right? He's just someone who's going to play at centre-back, give the ball to the full-backs, give the ball to the midfielder in front of him and not try and do anything. And so now what's happened is we've got two amazing centre-backs sitting on the bench, a converted centre-midfielder, you know, albeit, you know, an OK centre-half, playing at centre-back. And it's just like, what are we doing? And I, I, I don't know whether he's like, you know, I don't think anyone comes to Spurs being offered loads of money. There's no way Levy would have said to him, I'm giving you this limitless fund. He would have said to him, you've got to work with what you get, plus we'll bring in a couple of players if we sell some. And I think think that's an interesting point. I think what you say there about selling somebody, that's going to be the key thing. 
and that there's going to have to be a sacrifice of one of the I put this out on I did a poll on Twitter um, which was for us to make big signings we're surely going to have to sell one of our top four most valuable players which you would assume is Kane, Son, Undembele and probably Delhi. and you think that one of them is probably going to have to go in order for Jose to have some money to go and say bang that he's a defensive midfielder and that he's a fullback. If you're Mourinho you want that you don't, you, you don't care about having three really good attacking players. It doesn't matter. That's, that's what I mean. That's what I think he was promised. And it's also like a shot of redemption. I think, you know, he was at United. You know, he, he talked about being the new Mourinho, Mr. Nice Guy, whatever he called himself. And he, the football was going to be expansive. And it lasted like two months. The same thing happened at Spurs. You know, he came in, he said, you know, Spurs play a certain way. I want to carry that on. Doesn't work. And then he reverts to type. I feel like we, we, we've fallen into the trap of being an experiment for him. And we bought into the 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 Mourinho, the trying to become the new Mourinho, and and he just, you know, because people don't change, right? <laughs> Mourinho if, definitely doesn't. If if he gets results, if we have a season of that Everton game where the football's dull but we get results, at, will you take that? Like you no, know, if, if he, if I he will never watch trophy, football again. If he delivers a trophy and delivers, you know, Champions League football, but the that football, was like being in an MP's SNN club where you're just having your balls slammed in a desk drawer all the time. They enjoy it. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. It was the worst victory I've ever seen and Spurs have. We didn't deserve a victory. We didn't deserve to be playing football. I'm, I'm not being down because I'm down in general. It, it, yesterday was dreadful. Yesterday was awful. There was no plan. It was back. Sorry, I know we're not talking about that. No, I would not take that at all. I'd yeah, rather I, get I'm, relegated. I'm... I'm, I'm I would take winning the trophy. I, I I think, and I totally understand. I understand the question, but it's like I don't think like would I take a season of lucky one nil wins to go and win the the title? Yeah, but I'd take that under any other manager as well. I don't think playing how we played against Everton, it's even possible that you'll win the title. I think we were lucky to get a win yesterday. Not lucky in the sense of you know we were holding on, but it wasn't like we we went out there going cool. We've got one nil up. Now we're convinced we're going to win this game. So I get I I would I you know I think there's one question is do I want to win the league title and would I take it at any cost even playing rubbish football yes I just don't think what we saw yesterday is going to get us anywhere near that you know we're miles away from that I think yeah I think that the interesting thing to me and I I feel like I'm in the minority here I still feel like under Mourinho we will have a fairly successful period and there'll be trophies in the cabinet and I think that. This could be a period of two or three seasons where it's dull, it's frustrating, but maybe at the end of it, we'll have something to show for it. And from my point of view, I'd be all right with that. You know, I I, I would be fine with this, all, all of what's going on for a few years to have an FA Cup or whatever in, in, the, in the cabinet. We're not. We can't say that 1-0 is repeatable. It was lucky against a team who haven't beaten us in 14 attempts. They were even worse than us. That that the only way we can win is by other teams being worse than us. And there's there's going to be 20 teams, well, not 20 teams, there's going to be at least eight teams who are, who are not worse than us. And I, I don't think Mourinho will bring, a, will bring us that. I just don't. I think we could have done exactly what we did yesterday under Pochettino. Well, that, I think that that's a that to be honest, that's a separate that's a separate thing, and it's sort of like I always try to not get into the conversation of Pochettino or Mourinho simply because you know we've said it all along on this podcast. Pochettino was never the issue at Spurs, mm. so it's like that was that it was never a conversation that I think any of us ever had, which was I think Pochettino needed to go. It was always a case of you should do everything but get rid of the manager, yeah. but that's obviously happened. We've gone in a different direction. It's just, what do you think should happen now? Do you want Mourinho gone? Yeah. 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 Wow. Three, three yeses. No, and who, who do you want? Who do you want in? Pochettino. <laughs> I'd like to point out for people who obviously people can't see this. Look, ASD is fully just sat back. I'm in just annoyed. I've <laughs> just gone Pochettino. Absolutely amazing. I'm just yeah. glad that no one's paying to go see this shower. <laughs> I, I, I think if you, I've got no problems if, if we're going to go down like a, a, a route where we say we're going to build a new project. So if it's not Pochettino, go for another Pochettino-like manager, someone just starting out 
you know, who's, who's got ideas around how they they want the football to be played. They, you know, they've never worked with loads and loads of money. They've developed players. They've coached players. Like honestly, I think like you you're gonna see with Arsenal, like you know, if they, you know, someone like an Arteta, someone who someone who you feel like they they've got a way that they want to play. They can come in. They can explain it to the players. They're gonna you know tie up the players that we want to keep on contracts. They can get the people to buy into it. Yeah, you've seen it. You, there's managers in Germany, there's managers in, in, you know, lower down in the leagues. Don't think we need to go for a big hitter. And if we do go for a big hitter, get one who, like, you know, go and get an Ancelotti, someone who, who like, reputationally still players want to play for. So I think that's the other thing as well. It's like, I don't think, like, loads of players particularly want to play for um, Mourinho either. Sam, what do you think? Um, I'm, I'm worried because... Um, Mourinho's on such a massive contract that for Levy it has to work because there's no way that he's going to be um, paying him off, yeah, you know, and, and getting rid of him. It's it's the it's a gamble that's having to work, and and I think he's just he unfortunately I think he's going to have to back um, back Mourinho. Mm. I'm worried with the way that um, Kane's playing at the moment; they'll get rid of him. If a massive bid for Kane come in, and I'm talking, you know, like 150 million, given the current climate, would would you sell? Yeah. Yeah. He limits us. We have to play. I think he's lost his legs, and now we have to play a specific way to accommodate him. When we play that way, he's the best in the world. I think he's very easy to mark out of the game. Mm. He always seems to struggle against the back three. Well, I think Spurs do anyway, don't we? Whenever a team just sits in with three centre-halves, we found that particularly difficult to play against, and Sheffield United was case in point. Yeah. Even outside of him being able, easy to mark, whether he's playing well or not, I, I think the the key for us is that we need money to invest in other areas in the squad. And if you lose 30 goals a season, as long as you can replace it with 20, right, you'll still probably win the same amount of games. You know, strikers who score 30 goals a season. You know, they generally score two or three goals a game. They're not scoring one like important goal. You need a 20 goal a season striker. So if you can find that and then plug a centre midfield gap and plug a you know centre back gap that we're going to have um, soon, I, I just you know you hope that we don't do what we did with Bale and go and sign um, some duds. Kirikas, um, yeah. Yeah, for every Ericsson, there's a Kirikas. Um, you know, you, you you hope we've learned our lesson there. But 150 million gets you three really good players. Yeah, that will improve that team because and that's a spine. Yeah, that's a spine. Yeah, because the the rest of the team are not 50 million pound players. Mm. So even if you just buy three players, you're going to be better, aren't you? So I, th- I think that's the yeah, it's a shame. But I, you know, 150 million is would be crazy money in this market, and I think you'd have to take it. Yeah, and there's there's definitely going to be a sacrifice of of one of those players. And let's talk a little bit about Undumbele, like. That's a real head scratcher for me. Um, what's going on there? He's not. He's just not getting any minutes at the moment. Is it a case of? Because I know Jose said that. You know he needs. He, he can play Lo Celso or Undumbella at the moment. He doesn't necessarily feel like he can play them both. Is that is that fair? We just don't know. Have we 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 haven't seen them. Um, my laptop's about to restart, so I might have to drop out and come back. But we haven't seen them both. Lo Celso is. He's a bright, shining star in, in the mess at the moment. What a player he is. And and Dombele looked good for the five minutes he came on. I don't know why we can't play him, particularly if we move, if everyone else is playing a 4-3-3. But if that's what he says, I don't know. I think the um, the key is you can't, you know, if you can't have both of those players playing at holding midfielder, you're going to have to one at 10 and one at eight. And then have a, a battling, you know, have Sissoko or whoever behind to uh, to clean up the pieces. I feel like the the Ndombele, his um, his passing ability, you can't, you you have to be persistent with it because he picks out passes like nobody else in the team. Um, but then Lacelso. Yeah, he he's great on the ball. He's creative. He actually does something. So maybe we do move ourselves so into a number ten role. I think. I, I think. No, go on, mate. No, I was going to say it, it just. I, I'm my 
my worry at the moment is that the as I said before the the front four don't know how to play so deep they're normally pushing forward pushing forward always one person going and I think Sonny is really struggling with it and that was one of the um, reasons for the argument because he started to to bomb forward yeah and it was a bad ball but then he's out of position you know and and then Hugo has a go it just I I feel like it's it goes against every instinct that they've had for the last six years and and it takes time it takes time you know and you and you and it's very hard for 90 minutes to go against every instinct on a football pitch um yeah and yeah, I'm I'm not a great footballer, but there are other sports that I play at a uh, at a higher level that um, where it's very very difficult to go against your instincts, and yeah, it it's football's about scoring goals, and that's what we were about for six years. Mm. Um, I I feel like we, if we want to create a spine, we go with at the moment, the best best option is Sissoko at holding. Lacelso, uh, well, um, Dombele in, um, in you know beside him, stroke pushing forward a little bit more, and then uh, Lacelso in front. Like, do, do you need like a? I don't think you need like a ball winning centre midfielder anymore. Like, I don't think you need a player who. Yeah, even you're seeing it now at Chelsea. Chelsea looks so much better when 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 um, Kante's not in the team, because actually, you know, like City don't have like a traditional ball-winning midfielder. Liverpool don't have like a ball-winning midfielder, right? You've got a deep-lying midfielder. No one's saying you don't, mm. you can't have a deep-lying midfielder. But me, you, you know, the the idea that you you know you you, you know, and I've spoken about Sissoko before, but like one of my things with him is that he's so restrictive with the ball. It doesn't matter if he's winning it back because you're losing mm. it again straight away. And actually, now football is so based on the press, right? You, you, you're not actually winning the ball back in the tackle. You're winning the ball back by making the other team pass it either to your players or just get rid of it. So you need um, three runners in centre midfield. So yeah. a Don Bele, a, a Lo Celso, and someone else who's just pressing someone should be enough, you know, and, and that's why they can play together. It doesn't, you, 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 as, a, as a manager, you should, you know, you, you concentrate on what you do as a tactician when you've got the ball. When you don't have the ball, your only objective is win the ball back, you know, and, and it feels like we're setting up, our primary objective is setting up to stop the other team playing. That for me is mad. Like you know, I'd love to see us having three footballing, three footballers in midfield. You know, as long as they run and close down the the the, the opposition midfield, you'll get the ball back more often than you won't. You know, that, that's you don't have to be a tackler. You just have to close people down. You know? yeah. And then when you get it, pass it on. Yeah. Well, I'm just talking in relation to what we've got in the team oh, at the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, I, ideally. Yeah, Moussa Dembele is ten years younger, and he's yeah, yeah. And he's just signed for us, you know. Um, but and the the problem is, I think, was when Moussa left or wasn't in the team so much, we still tried to play the same kind of football. Mm. And but but in theory, we actually built the team around Dembele. We we built the team around him, and everything started from him. You know, whether he'd win the ball back. You know, drop his shoulder, beat a player, and then put a beautiful pass through. Yeah, or or just bring the um, bring the opponents into him so, to then create space for the other players. And we still carried on playing that style without having that focal point, without having that um, that person bossing the midfield. The one place that we, one thing that we need now. Is someone to boss that midfield, and nobody's stepping up to the plate. Yeah, I think with Dembele as well, there's some players, right, that when they leave, everyone goes, "Oh, why didn't we replace them?" Mm. And there's some players you it's can't like you can't replace. Yeah, it's it's, e- it's easier to change the system rather than um, rather than trying to you know put a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. And I think that was the part that was um, part of Poch's demise was that he didn't he didn't change the um, it didn't change the style of play. He found someone in Dembele that that just 
yeah, it enhanced mm. his um, his uh, his tactics rather than um, rather than just going along with them. Um, we need <laughs> we need we need to just have a decent player who can play the ball, who can press. Well, or just like put pressure on the on the opponents and, and squeeze them yeah. in that midfield, and we don't have it. Right? I, th- I think I think right now, like with football in general, you are seeing how important the fans are to the actual game, right? You that's why the best teams are just winning football games so comfortably at the minute because yeah, the the the, the bottom three I think have got like two points since the restart, right? Because they don't have very good players, and so. If you, if you, let's say when you know when 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 we can go back to the games, just naming a team that looks exciting is half the battle, right? The, the fans start there, you know, they're up. That's why at the start of the season, you know, the, the games seem to feel much more exciting. Teams seem to because the fans, the, you don't have that jadedness for the rest of the season. You know, you, you know, we all saw, you know, first game this season, Kane gets two, Dombele gets one. We thought we we're going to win the league, you know, it's, mm. you know, and. And, and I, think that's the, I think that's the other thing for me as well. And look, maybe it's not as important right now because there, there are no fans in the stadium. But it's like, you know, name a team that you think is going to win the game, not name a team that is very obviously designed to stop the other team from winning the game. You know, that's that's relegation battle tactics. That's not, you know, there's no one else in the top um, top half of the table that set out the, the way that we do at the minute. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's really odd. Some really good points um, made there. We've got a couple of games this week still as well. It's a bit of a bonkers week in terms of the football. We've got Bournemouth Thursday um, and then it's the North London Derby at the weekend. I mean, I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen in either of those games because if you look at how we've played since we've come back, we've, you know, I thought we looked fairly decent against Man United. We did enough against West Ham. Terrible against Sheffield United, not much better against Everton. It's like, I, I genuinely have no idea what the rest of this week is going to hold for us. Um, if we can't beat Bournemouth, who are just absolutely hopeless, then, I mean, we're in, that That for me would be a, a signal that we're in even worse position than I think we already are. Because they're a team that are just, they've got no confidence, they can't score, they can't defend. So, I mean, if, if we can't, just play a team that can beat them, then, you know, I'd be really concerned about that. I think Bournemouth are going through the same thing Spurs did with Poch. Mm. I think the players have heard it long enough from Eddie Howe now, and that's not to say he's a bad, he's a bad coach. No, I'm, yeah, he's a, he, I'm sure he's a great coach, but at some point, players who have played for you since League One, League Two, yeah, there's only so much they can hear and they can evolve, you know, it's, it, it just it just doesn't happen. And, yeah, I think it's a shame because I think Eddie Howe could be a great manager. Um, but I don't think, I, mean, I don't think anyone's going to take a a big punt on him. But we've got to beat Bournemouth. Like just going back to that, we've got better players than them, and at the minute, that's position. just yeah. be enough yeah. to win the games. Um, I, I think I think it'll be comfortable. I think it'll be annoyingly comfortable post this podcast. I think we'll all we'll be you know hear the uh, online mappers telling us that we're all massive pessimists, but. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's the game on the weekend I'm worried about. Yeah, and that the, the thing is with the Arsenal game, it's just it's the hardest game ever to predict what's going to happen, right? Because you think back about 10, 15 years ago when Arsenal were incredible and we were dreadful, but yet we'd always cause them problems. When, you know, especially at White Island, I know there's no fans there, but they very rarely used to come and beat us, even when we were terrible. And it's like Derby's you would hope, always bring out the best in teams. And you look, you look at Tottenham-West Ham over the last five, six years, that's a game on paper we should be winning hands down, but yet West Ham always raise their game. Um, and I think Arsenal are in a very similar position to us where it's, the consistency is just nowhere to be seen. Um, I don't know. Their front line scares me, but then their front line has scared me for the last 25 years. So, you know, that's, that's just what Arsenal are. I'm, I'm nervous because... What worries me is that we approach the game in a really, really bad way, go a goal down early and just it, it just fizzles out into a nothing performance. That's what really worries me. Um, but on the flip side, Harry Kane's record against Arsenal, second to none. You know, you, you'd surely be backing him to score, even the way, you know, we've been playing since the restart. So 
I have no idea what's going to happen this week. I, I hope for six points. I think that four points is, is maybe a more realistic and return for the week, and I'd probably be quite happy with that. Anything less than that, it's extremely disappointing. Yeah. I'm I'm in two minds um about the whole rest of this season in in my um I'm I feel like this season's gone completely yeah. and and we're just we're just going through the motions but we're not even thinking about next season we're we're not even thinking about all right so are we going to build anything for next season how are we going to play for next season it's it we're just we're not even trying to play we're just trying to stop the opposition um what my theory is is that the the next few games treat it as pre-season you got five subs that you can use as well yeah we we can we're not going to have a proper pre-season and that's what Mourinho needs when he goes into a club he needs to drill them actually on the training field to get them doing what they're supposed to be doing if we can't do that and we don't have as much time tomorrow's going to be a uh, sorry next season's going to be a write off as well mm. so surely i know the arsenal game is big for us but do we just go all right we're going to play this way for the from now on. It might take a little bit of time to embed, but is that how we do it? And we do five subs, change it around, that kind of stuff. I think so that we're ready for next season. I think I think the I think the challenge with next season, right, is we don't know when it will start. We don't know what transfers are going to look like. We don't know if there's going to be fans. Um, you know, got to work. I, I, I work on the basis that we got to work with the players we've got and the squad that we've got. So using the next few games to try and embed a system and you know be ready for next season, I think makes perfect sense. I think the challenge is when it's not. I don't think it's clear that we know what the system is supposed to be. Mm. You know, and and it doesn't feel like there's a there's a plan if the system doesn't work. You know, what happens if we play the next five games and it doesn't work? Then what? You know, and that's that's the thing that, that feels... You almost feels like, it almost feels like Mourinho is treating this like a pre-season. And counter to that, maybe he shouldn't. You know, and like not to your point around don't treat it like a pre-season in terms of like adapting the team and stuff, but give it some intensity. You know, because that's why the players... I, I, you know, for me, what happened against Sheffield United was unacceptable unacceptable to like just down tools like that and not because um you know football yes you know, i don't care about how much money i don't care about all that stuff i don't care about it being their job there's still something to play for you know europe is not out of the question you know we're not on the beach we're not you know we don't need to be on the beach yet so i, I agree like let's test as many systems as we can let's try let's try and make it right i just i just hope that we know what we're trying to test yeah you know mm-hmm. And I think the other thing as well is how many times do you see sides have a really, really poor ends to the season? And then when the next season comes around, they're still on that bad run. It's very, very rare that a team will, you know, the last 10 games of the season, they'll be horrific. And then something just snaps overnight and then they're brilliant. So to just let the season fizzle out really, really concerns me because how do you snap out of it? You know, this is a group of players that really have been losing for the last 18 months. And that's what worries me. Like, how do you get them out of that cycle? And Jose said it a lot. Poch even said it, that the the team don't react when there's a defeat. And it's like, that was why the incident between Loris and Son, that's massively changed my mind on Loris as as a captain, because I've always questioned it. But that, for me, was like, that's what I want to see more of. Like, people calling each other out, digging each other out if you're not happy with stuff. Like, we need more of that. We've massively lacked that spine and I hope that that's not just a one-off instant that, you know, happened in a meaningless game and the cameras caught it. I genuinely hope that that's happening every day at the moment because the levels that all of those players are at, they've all got another 20, 30% in them. You know, it's just, they have because we've seen it. So I hope that the remaining games gives us something to hold on to for next season. My worry is that if it's Sheffield United for the rest of the season, I don't really know where we're going to go next year. And that is really concerning. So I will hold on to anything, even a decent 10-minute spell against Arsenal. I, just, I need something 
to to keep hold of my positivity because it's been a it's been a tough week. But you know, if we take the Champions League aside, it's been a tough eighteen months watching Spurs. It's just what it's been. Um, so we'll see what happens this week. But gosh, six points would be amazing and would feel like a massive turning point. So let's hope that happens. It's shit, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst it's been in so long. Like I want to be positive. I just don't know what it's going to be. Like we need, we need a right back. We need a left back at some point. Although you know I'm a big fan of Ben Davis. We need a, at least one centre back, a mid centre midfielder, probably a striker. Then we need to offload some of the guff and. I uh, we I just don't know how that's gonna happen. Who's gonna buy who's gonna buy Dyer? Who's gonna buy Lamella? I just I just I just don't know I can't see a positive at the moment because we the problem with Mourinho is we can't get rid of him because he's on he must be on so much money, he's on the contract, he's so early in the contract. We'll just have to give him a lump sum, a massive lump sum, which we can't afford because we're building a stadium. So we're stuck with him. So we have to back him. But he needs to show flexibility, but he's not going to. I just, I don't know where it's going to be I good. We do have to back him, though. Like, I think it. Yeah, we don't have a choice. I think it's it would be madness anyway to appoint a manager, whether or not you like Jose or not. And I know he's extremely divisive in in his style and everything about him. But it's like I think everybody's in agreement that if you bring in a new, if you're sacking a manager and bringing a new guy in, you've got to back the new guy. You, you know, I just think it would be just ridiculous for us not to do that. I think. From, the, the saving grace for me is watching what's happening at United, right? And the reason I say that is six months ago, if you'd have asked what United needed, you'd have probably reeled off a list of positions like um, like you just did ASD. Yeah. And then they brought in one player, and all of a sudden it turned out that those really good players just needed, you know, and one player to sort of bring it together where they were seriously lacking. And all of a sudden, actually, United look really, really good at the minute. Will it last? We don't know. But, yeah. but signs suggest that it will. And it turns out that you know, Maguire's a good defender, Pogba's a good midfielder, Rashford's a good shot. They just needed yeah. someone there. And I wonder whether maybe, maybe that's what Spurs need as well. Maybe there's just one key position. Maybe it is that holding midfielder. Maybe it was supposed to be in Dombele. But it feels like maybe actually there's one position and one player out there that could fill it and it could have that transformative effect. Because I'm not talking about, obviously our squad's got some fat in it. I'm not saying that it, that it doesn't. But broadly, the first 15 players are pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. So that's the only thing that's given me a little bit of confidence. Now, whether Mourinho can find that person and whether we're willing to play that expansive style of football, you know, that's a whole different thing. But if Spurs' only solution is that we need six players, that's not going to happen for three or four years that you'll fill those players. And it's also unacceptable that a team that reached the Champions League final has not done enough with its squad that it needs six players in it. The best teams bring in one or two players each season and keep things fresh. Yeah. And you're only recycling every couple of you know seasons. You know, it takes you five years to get everyone out of the team and, and, and new players back in. Yeah. So, you know, who that player is, I don't know. But I, th- I think we're missing the Ericsson of 2017. The Ericsson now is pretty useless. Like, he's already been criticised by ex-players of Inter he just scored his first Inter uh, Serie A goal and he's rubbish and he apparently himself has come out and said he think he made the wrong move and he should have waited but no one wanted him and I think he, what we're missing is that creative player who sits in the middle because at the moment we've got we you saw it against Everton it was just with the backs with the back players there was nothing in the middle and the Celso was trying to run it forward but they, you've got Son who's trying to play on the shoulder of the last defender as is Bergvine and then you've got Kane who's stuck in the middle there's no one in front of their um, in between the centre circle and the penalty box just creating and so everyone's trying to yeah. do something that they're not trying to do I, I fully agree with you Van but, and so that's and you would have hoped that's Delhi, but it's it's not no, and that and that's why, like you know, United look so much better when Pogba yeah. and Des are on the pitch. It, you know, it's why Liverpool play. You know, with with even um uh oh, what's the Brazilian centre midfielder Fabinho? Yeah. You know, Fabinho is not a ball winning centre midfielder. You know, John Henderson is not a ball winning centre midfielder. They've got three like number eights in midfield. Yeah, and that's why you know you know back to Dan's point earlier in terms of like what's that centre midfielder like? It's like I don't think we need a holding midfielder. 
maybe we just need to maybe we just need like another La Celso and another Dombella and it just turns out that having three players really good on the ball in midfield will be enough but Jack, Jack Grealish there you go oh yeah all about Jack Grealish I'll take, I'll take needs Jack to put his socks up yeah. the problem I think the problem with saying oh yeah three number eights is that normally you have two decent centre backs behind them but we've got Eric Dyer. Yeah. Sanchez, unfortunately, not good enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, can, can we? we can, can we? Can we please talk about Eric Dyer's brain farts every fifteen minutes, please? Because they're getting. Yeah. I don't mind him. Not a centre back though. I, he's I just, honestly, he's... I've, I've always, I've always said this, and you can go back to the pod from three years ago if you're that sad. Um, he's a much, much better centre half than he is centre midfielder, and I think that that even more so now. It's just he, the guy really struggles to move, which you think that's a key skill for a footballer. Um, but in midfield, it's just he's never filled me with confidence playing centre midfield, taking the ball on the half turn. You know what Winks is very good at, where he can receive the ball and then play forward. You know that's what Harry Winks is all about. Dyer can't do that at all. Um, I don't mind him at centre back. I think he looks he's looked a lot more aggressive and commanding in the air since the the restart, which I've been impressed with. He still gives the ball away and he, he can be sloppy in possession, definitely. Um but for me there's enough there. I feel like a partnership of him and Alderweireld is fine. Yeah. It's a position that we'll have to strengthen in the coming years. But I, I, I think, think it's a critical area for us. He has the same talent level as Michael Dawson, but he thinks he's Ledley King or he thinks he's a more, he thinks he's Toby Alderweireld. He thinks he's got more class than he has. And as, if he just reined himself in a bit, uh, reined himself in a bit, I think it'd be fine. But I think he, he want, you know, he's always wanted to be a central midfielder to be able to play out. He's not that player. If you just want a lump to get the ball out, He's fine, but he for the I think it was the first Sheffield United um, goal where it was played behind him. He was in the middle of nowhere, and that that's terrible. the bare basics. It was terrible positioning, and obviously that's one thing. But he does make mistakes. He makes stupid tackles. He's he's just he's not going to win you anything. But he he might he's good as part of a rotational squad. And Jack, like you you always said, like when um, I I remember that you loved um, Eric Dyer and. Um, and when he played in defensive midfield, you always spoke about his positioning, mm. how how good his positioning is. But we're not seeing that at centre back. No. He he's and that's that is the big problem. One of his main attributes is lost at centre back. I think it's what, kind, what kind of a footballer is he without that? Yeah, I wouldn't underestimate. You know, he, he he's played in uh, holding midfield role with you know a uh, 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 peak. Jan and Toby behind him. And Dembele next to him. And Dembele next to him, right? Yeah. And so, I look, I'm not, you know, I, I think having having Dyer, and having Dyer in the squad, you know, versatile, he's a good player. He'd come on, he close a game out. But the idea right now that we've got Jan and Toby sitting on the bench and Eric Dyer starting the centre-back is baffling. Mm. Yeah, what? Well, see, I understand. I, I sort of can get the point of not playing Vertonghen purely because he's going. I mean, you know, we talked a lot tonight, haven't we, about looking to next season and trying to build something. So I can un- I can understand that. Um, but that's he's, he's if not we're doing that. If we were doing that, I don't think we I don't think Mourinho is planning for next season. He's not playing a squad that looks. Uh, the rest of the team doesn't look like he's planning for next season, and it, that doesn't answer why Toby's not in the team. No, the Toby thing is you know, I, I totally understand if he came out and said, I'm not going to play Jan, he's not going to be here next season. But that that doesn't appear to be the case anywhere else. It it, it, it just feels like he's, you know, he's, he's, you know, he doesn't want a ball playing centre-back. He certainly doesn't want two. He wants a, you know, a hard man to win the, 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 the ball at the back. But why? <laughs> well, I don't understand why. You know, I, I just look at how team selection at the minute and just go it's so odd it's just really really weird well let's hope it's enough to get past Bournemouth and, and turn <laughs> up a lot over on I, I think I'm more confident about the Arsenal game because their their front three is frightening Sacco's just he's playing really well right now yeah. but we can get at them like they'll give us more space and Son and Bergvine will look a lot better and Kane will be great like I'm I've got no problems with the Arsenal game and because it's a derby but they don't see it as a derby um, Trippier did a um, 
interview, didn't he, recently where he said Chelsea yeah. was the bigger derby. But I, I have fewer challenges with that than I do Bournemouth, which is horrendous. I just think it's mad, isn't it, that like Steve Cook and Callum Wilson is giving you more fear than... You know, the guys in the Arsenal lineup, which is, you know, I wish I could swap places with you, to be honest, because that Arsenal game always has and always will terrify me. But let, like I said, let's hope that we've got enough to, to take at least four points this week. But I think that's a good place for us to wrap up, but I thoroughly enjoyed the last hour and a half. It's been brilliant chatting to you. Dan, thank you so much for joining from the other side of the world. Um, it's a pleasure. Van, your annual appearance never ceases to amaze me as well. And uh, I see you've been here as well. Cheers, mate. Uh, thanks, thanks to everybody for... at home for listening. And remember, whatever happens, the future's bright. The future's lily white. Come on, you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football. And I always thought that football was a very important game. But I never realised until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2. It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next. We are Blanchflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.